This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. to another edition of the Grip for 60 podcast. Gretzlaff, Gretzlaff, Gretzlaff is a bum edition. You already screwed up your opening line. I did. Beautiful. Um, we are both broadcasting from Jacksonville in the same room. Hey-o. Uh, my name's Connor Farrell, you can call me TC, and I'm joined from uh, the Independent Alligator. Hi, everyone. It's Brendan, Brendan Farrell. You can call me TCJ. Other than this pod, what do you do? Um, so, I mean, I write at the Independent Florida Alligator covering mm-hmm. UF sports because I live in Gainesville, and I'm a student there. So, I do that, and honestly, that's, that's pretty much it. <laughs> fun. Very fun. Um, so, we're going to talk some hockey. We're going to talk some Jets hockey on this podcast. That's what we do. Um, it's been an interesting few days since we last... Left off with you guys, we've got um, two fun games, I think, for the most part, to yeah. cover. Yeah. Uh, a to- grand total of three points. Count them. Three. Three points. This is not bad. No. And that inc- includes the back half of a home-and-home, home, a home-and-home home in which the Jets also got three points. Hey, oh, three points. Three points. Come on, Rob. It's got to go in to get three points. Um, so well, let's t- let's talk about that those, the, the 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 Jets game or the the Stars game. Are you good? Yeah. No. I'm having a rough day. Uh, tough tough game with the Jacks today, but. Well, we're not here to talk about the Jacks. Yeah, no, we're not even here to talk about football. No, no. We're here to talk about hockey. <sighs> so I guess yeah, we'll start with the the Dallas game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so, like we said, second game of a home-and-home with Dallas. I still believe this is the worst case of a home-and-home you'll ever see. Well, knowing the NHL, they'll do it again. Because, I mean, honestly, I don't really know if there are any two divisional teams that are as far away from each other as Winnipeg and Dallas. The Central is huge. Yeah. What about Vancouver and uh, Arizona? That's far, but I don't know if it's the same... Distance, you know, because mm-hmm. I think Winnipeg is a little farther north. Uh, Sunrise and um, Montreal. That's a good one. But point is, long distance that I don't really think that they should have to do. Well, not for a home and home, but I mean, they did get a day in between. Yes, yeah, I mean that's just sort of out of necessity. Yeah. And this is another one of those games where the Jets um, dug themselves a hole. But, you know, what I like about this game is 
this is another game where even if they do get that slow start, they they don't lie down. They always find a way to make it a game. They always find a way to make it a game. And they made this one a game. They tied it up at two. Didn't work out for them in the end, because three-on-three three overtime is... I mean, I guess there are some teams that are better at it than others, but for the most part, yeah, it's chaos. Yes. Um, and if, you know, if you... You go down 2 nothing. if you come into the third period down 2 nothing, and you get a point out of that game, it's not a bad... That, it's not bad. And you can see this team do this sort of thing consistently, which is interesting. Yeah, I mean, it was certainly one of their uh, better games, I would say, definitely. Um, it was one of their very few games where they actually ended up over 50% in possession. Granted, that was because of a ridiculous third period where they had over 70% of the shot attempts. Thank you, score effects. <laughs> um, but that did happen, and I can't take that away from them. What, so when you were talking about that, did you keep the 5-on-5 five five numbers in there, or was it just... Was that, that's, was that, that's just straight up 5-on-5. Five five. Just 5-on-5? Five five? Yeah. Um, because the Stars did get a power play goal, um, so I don't know if that skews your numbers any. Um, and Connor, Connor Hellbuck is once again one of the three stars of the game he's the third star of the game but you know when you're on the losing end that tends to be where you, you get your star of the game yeah, the yeah, also and on the on the road because those are usually decided by the home team right um, and you know three three goals against on 39 shots that's pretty that's not a bad day at the office no, for it's, Connor it's Hellbuck a, it's a good day for Connor Hellbuck once again Connor Hellbuck is dragging his team into a playoff spot Listen, the Jets gave up one goal at 5-on-5 five five in this game. <laughs> that is, yeah. Connor Hellbuck is the team. He is the team. I will not relent on this. I don't know if he's... And this is something I was thinking about in today's game, because the, 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 the Jets played the Anaheim Ducks the day that we recorded this. Uh, and I was thinking about this in today's game. I was, I would, our dad asked if Connor Hellbuck was the best player on the team tonight, and I was like, I would say so. He didn't have a great game, but at the same time, I mean, I, I ended up going with Mark Scheifele as the best player of the game, but the, the question comes up frequently, other than Connor Hellebuck, who is, is there a standout player on this team? I don't know if that's the case. I think when they get wins, it's usually a score by committee or win by committee type of thing. They don't have one guy that's a standout player if it's not Connor Hellebuck. Yeah, I would say... The go-to on that is either Shifley or, uh, lately, Nikolai Ehlers. My boy. This, this is just a Nikolai Ehlers and Connor Hellebuck fan podcast. We just and, we talk about the rest of the Jets occasionally, but yeah. this is basically just us gushing about Connor Hellebuck and Nikolai Ehlers. And, well, and you like cop. Yeah, well. Um, and actually, I think I would throw in... And see, this is exactly my point. Is I would throw in Kyle Connor in there. Yeah, but... And every it's, really, now, it's really, really just Connor Hellbuck. Um, and every now and then, Patrick Line comes in to save the day. He, he he has those games where it's just like, oh yeah, he's that good. Right, yeah. Um, so, uh, what, what were your... So that, that was part of my thoughts on, in today's game is we got a goal from Blake Wheeler, assist from Ellers and Pullman, Shifley scored from assists of Line and Connor, so pretty... That, that sort of... In this comeback, scoring by committee type game, uh, Connor Hellbeck was probably the best player in, in the absence of another player taking charge. Um, 
what what did you take away from this game? I mean, it was one of their better games at five on five. I guess total, but I guess through the first two periods, that's not really saying much. Yeah, and I guess the, what I'm what I want to ask about that is how much does that influence? I mean, if they're going to lose in overtime anyway, mm-hmm. how much does that matter? I mean, you say they were the best team five on five, but they did allow a power play goal. It was a two-two game. Um, one of the I forget which goal it was. But one of them was kind of a fluky goal that they scored to tie the game up on, or the, the Jets scored to tie the game up on. I wouldn't call Shifley's tying goal fluky. I mean, I they, mean they, it, they, they lucked out that it was that a, Dallas completely forgot about Mark Shifley right in front of the net. But I wouldn't well, call no, that there fluky. There was one where it, it, it came. The goalie should have had it. I mean, it kind of hit his shoulder. It kind of trickled in behind him. He should have had it. He got something. He should have gotten a little bit more. Fair enough. Um, but luckily in this game, we didn't have Corey Perry scoring all of the Dallas points. He did get an assist. So, like, I guess there's just something about Corey Perry playing against Winnipeg that's... Oh, he, he, he remembers, oh, I'm Corey Perry. I can score goals and play hockey. Yeah. I guess one of my takeaways is I, I always... I feel like I mention this all the time. But the fact that Winnipeg is third in the division, despite uh, winning less than half of their games in regulation, is <laughs> hilarious to me. They have 12 regulation wins this season. In 30 games. Third place in the Central. I think they've got 18 wins total. Yeah. So they've got six overtime slash shootout yeah. wins? Yeah, a third of their wins upcoming then. That's... Shootout or overtime. Yeah. But hey, 7-2-1 and one in the last 10. It's kind of hard to argue against that. How long can we ride on this before we get into Islanders territory where it's like, you know, we're hope, you know, we're expecting this team to fall off, but they're not going anywhere. They're just sort of hanging around. Well, the difference between the Islanders and the Jets is that the Islanders have two good goaltenders. The Jets have just well, one just really just good one. one. Well, Brassois good. This year, he hasn't been great. He hasn't been bad. When I his mean, number's been yeah. called, I think he's been up... At least equal to the task. I don't know. I think he struggled a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but the point still stands. And the Islanders have some defense. Yes. The, the, the Jets the, do not have defense. The Islanders aren't as cataclysmically terrible at defense as the Jets are, yes. And also the Jet or the Islanders' uh, expected goals numbers aren't anywhere near as bad as the Jets' are. <laughs> When you say expected goals, are you talking differential? Because that could also just be the cataclysmically bad defense. You say that, though, but, like, the or Jets don't even really, like, rank highly in expected goals for. Like, they're... They might be up. They might be the worst. I forget. They're definitely up there in terms of badness. And I think some of that is just because they have so many defensemen who are just offensive black holes. Mm. I mean, okay... And this is this is, I'm gonna segue right into our second game from that, uh, because that was one thing that I noticed in this uh, this Ducks game is if you forecheck Lucas Sabiza in any sort of capacity, he has a very difficult time getting the puck out of the defensive zone. Lucas Sabiza is not good on the puck. No, and neither is Batetto. Well, Batetto's biggest. Um, liability is defensively he's just 
garbage. I really thought you were going to say his biggest liability is his, is himself, but... <laughs> um, but I think Boteta's another one that's just like, oh, yeah, he's he can't move the puck very well. I don't think he really defends well either, but... No, well, that's what I kind of corrected yeah, myself I mean... to is... And, and it's funny because, you know, a lot of times these defensemen that can't move the puck, we sort of put, label them as quote, stay-at-home defenseman or defensive defenseman, and Botetto isn't really that either. I think, like, a couple years ago, Down Goes Brown wrote a thing on what he called defensive defenseman, so, but it's, like, defensive, but spelled at the end, like, like a sieve. Oh. Yeah, that's, that's why I, I feel like the, uh, the Jets have a lot of defensive defensemen. And, and so, so that worries me. You know, it's like... They're not good at offense, clearly. And no. The, but they are defensemen at the NHL level, so they must be doing something right. Defensive defensemen. And okay. then and then you go with, hey, defense is hard to quantify. Just just use your eyes. Watch the game, nerd. Yeah, exactly. Have you caught on to the fact that I've been trying to get that phrase in every, every single, single episode? Yes. yes. Um, really caught on to it. It's it's not hard. It's, it's not, really not. It's, it's not a hard game to play, but I enjoy it, so I'm going to keep doing it. It's like in Psych if the pineapples were, like, half the screen. Yes. <laughs> My favorite ones are, like, I, are like the, the scenes where there's, like, a, like, a, like the, the shot is from inside the refrigerator, and there's just the pineapples sitting there. It's like, <laughs> okay, you gave me that one. Um, I was never good at finding the pineapple just because I forgot to look. Mm. I was too busy watching the the show itself, and so I can I, you know, on the DVR we get to a commercial break and it would be like spot the spot the pineapple. I was like, oh yeah, I should be doing that, even though I can't text in live because I have DVR this and watching it the next day. Yes. Um, but anyway, getting back on topic, the other big thing is obviously the Jets. You know, they're playing a lot of divisional games. That gives the Jets, let's see if I can do math here, uh, one more point than the Stars, or I guess after today, they have one more point than the Stars with a game in hand. Okay. Um, that's, I mean, good, but not very comforting. But, there are also only four points out of first place with a game in hand. This, this division, man. It doesn't make any sense. This, all, all the teams are either bad or they're decent, but they have, like, one big flaw. I still expect Colorado to run away with, run away with this division oh, yeah. at some point. I mean, yeah, at some point they're just going to get people healthy, and they're going to trade for Taylor Hall. The, they're just going to destroy the Western Conference as we know it. But I, I would not be mad if Colorado went on a run in the playoffs and, like, won the Cup like that. You know, I would not be mad at that. Like that, I think that'll be very, that'll be fun to watch. The uh, the Sharks fan side of me just carries a lot of hatred towards teams that have eliminated my team from the playoffs, which means that I hate like that's almost like the half, entire like Western Conference. The, yeah. <laughs> However, <laughs> since I started watching the Sharks, the Avalanche have not done that, <laughs> so they're okay in my book. But no, it's at this point, it's like I hate Edmonton, I hate Vegas, I hate Dallas, <laughs> I hate Vancouver. Well, you hate Dallas because they've got Joe Pavelski now. Well, yes, and who scored the overtime winner in this game that we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I hate Chicago, I hate Anaheim, and LA, right. so it's like most of the conference. Yep. That's, yeah. 
Just win the game. Nerd. Yeah. Okay. Why, why did that one need a nerd at the end? I felt like it. Okay. Uh, so do you want to transition into the Ducks game? I do want to point out, before we do that, okay. bottom line for me is home and home against a division rival. You came away with three points. Yep. Pretty good. That's pretty good. And I know they came away with two, but three's still pretty good. I, I, you know, if I'm Winnipeg, I'm not complaining about that. Now we can move on. I thought that was the, the important takeaway. All right. Well, okay, so we're going to move on to the Ducks game from, well, while we're recording this, it just ended like a couple hours ago. Uh, the Jets win 3-2. to two. So another two big points for Winnipeg, who, like we said, they've been playing pretty well lately. Well, They've been getting wins lately. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, what was what was your big takeaway from this? Ryan gets left as a bum. Shout out to Nikolai Ellers for Shout trying to fight that was Ryan Getzlaff. My favorite part: Ellers dropping the gloves with Ryan Getzlaff. Just okay. It was one one at this point, but the Jets looked like a very sleepy team. They didn't look like you know they were they were flat. You know, the, the, the Ducks were out shooting them up to this point. Ryan Getzlaff takes cheap cross-check to uh, Ellers. Ellers shoves him back. There's a little bit of drawing for a couple seconds, and then the gloves drop. And it was a good fight, too. Nikolai Ellers, one of the uh, very skilled hockey player, can also fight Ryan Getzlaff and get his team going. That's some rock star shit. I mean, like we said, this is, this is a Nikolai Ellers this is, fan podcast. This is a Nick, officially this is a Jets podcast, but really this is a Nikolai Ellers podcast. Right, Nikolai Ellers, come on the pod. Very good player. Always welcome. Always welcome. Pod. I want to know what was going through your head when you decided to fight Ryan Getzlaff. No, you cannot fight uh, Wayne's. I mean, uh, Ryan Getzlaff. Yes, you can fight Ryan Getzlaff. <laughs> Absolutely. He's like 45 years old. He's not older than Joe Thorne. <laughs> yeah, well, Joe Thorne's like 70, so... <laughs> Once again, I want to point out that Joe Thorne was, was in the NHL before I was born, but anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know what? That fight really got the Jets going. I could... You could see... Watch the game, nerd. You could see a difference in this Jets team before and after this fight. Uh, and I know the game was tight on the scoreboard, but you can tell that the, the Jets were buzzing there in the second period. Adam Lowry gets them the lead. They did give up the lead in the third period. But then Mark Shifley on the power play, with Ryan Getzlaff, of all people, sitting in the penalty box watching this, that was the other glorious moment of this game, was the reaction, the TV camera on Ryan Getzlaff reacting to the goal. And then, ultimately, the Jets winning. Even though they... The Jets tried to give this game away. You don't... The Jets tried to give this game away. There were several times where, like, we're gonna almost throw, just toss the puck out of play and get a delay game penalty late. We, they did get a cross-checking penalty late. The Dutch, the Ducks could have, and should have, pulled their goalie to go six on four late in the third. Fight me. I'm not going to. That's listen. When you have the when you have the man advantage, I know that people are like, 
Well, hey, that just means the other team can just ice, well, just clear the puck or shoot at your goal with absolutely no penalty. Which, yes, that's the case. But also, you have six guys at your disposal. They shouldn't have the puck! <laughs> if you have six guys, they should not have the puck! Yeah. Uh, and there was... Okay, when the penalty was called, there was a little under four minutes to go. Okay. So, I would I would still pull the goalie, personally. Um, oh, wait, yeah. You said under six minutes? Or under four. Under four. Yeah, I would still pull the goalie. Um, the shots ended up being even at 33 apiece. I don't know what the five-on-five five numbers look like. Uh, yeah, so... Um, I thought this was a good Jets win. Maybe shouldn't be so tight against... A team like the Ducks, but, you know, right now, we're collecting points. Yeah, you talked about the shots at 5-on-5. Five five, it was 29-28 in shots on goal. Um, but in terms of shot attempts, uh, the Jets had 58 to Anaheim's 46. So the Jets, this is one of the rare Jets games where they had over 50%. Hey. It doesn't happen there very often. Go. But again, this is but they're basically playing an AHL team, so yeah, they I feel like they should. Yeah, um, the Ducks aren't great. That's that's definitely true. But uh, this was actually the fourth most shot attempts at five on five that they've had this season. The Ducks only had going back to what I was talking about with the fight. The Ducks only had five shot attempts in the second period, or shots on goal in the second period. Nice. So. This was uh, this was the most shot attempts at five on five the Jets have had since October twenty sixth. That's a long time. When they had fifty nine against the Flames. That is a long time. Um, I kind of said what I wanted to say about this game. <laughs> Mostly just uh, gets life as a bum. Ellers is great. Oh. Ellers was great, but to me, the best player in this game was Mark Shifley. Two goals. The goal to get them going kind of against the grain. To take a one nothing lead and the game-winning goal on the power play. Fantastic goals. Thanks. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Really, yeah. goals. And you know what? They were good team goals, too. Like He was the one that scored them, but they were both very good passing play goals, and to me, those are some of... I would like pretty passing plays. They ju- they just like oh that was ooh that was neat and creative yeah that it, I mean it it's happened kind of, it was great. It's kind of funny that you brought up Mark Shifley though because his line was the only one that got completely caved in at five on five. <laughs> but it was okay. It's also five, it was one, also one, one of his goals yeah. was a power play goal. Yeah, but um, you know the two lines that were really good today. Was it the Ellers line and the, the cop line? Gee, how did you figure that one out? <laughs> because I've watched this game for what is it, uh, almost thirty games now. Those two, those two lines combined, uh, out attempted Anaheim twenty-seven to fifteen. It's exactly thirty games. Sorry, say that again. Uh, the combination of Perot, Cop, and Lowry, and Ellers, Wheeler, and Roslovic. Those two lines combined out attempted Anaheim twenty seven to fifteen at five one five. Is that a product of those two lines clicking together, or is that a product of the Ducks putting all their talent on the top line? Um, 
Kind of both. I would just say also you have two good play drivers on the Wheeler line. Actually, you think you just have three good play drivers on that on that Wheeler, Ellers, Roslovic line. I do like that line a lot. And Andrew Kopp and Adam Lowry are both pretty good play drivers as well. Also, uh, shout out to uh, Yona Luoto, Nick Shore, and Logan Shaw for playing three minutes and 22 seconds together. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, did they play, what, six minutes total? Um, you said three minutes together. Shore had five minutes, Luoto oh, had five and goodness. a half, Logan Shaw had 6.07. Uh, That's something we can briefly bring up, though, is that I, I think Nick Shore right. is, a, is a decent bottom six option. So I thought sure. it was a good waiver pickup for the for the Jets, but obviously they still need to I mean, have... I mean, obviously Nick Shore is still kind of getting the feel of things in Winnipeg, but... I mean, I'm not going to argue with you, but I'm also just like, who cares? But, like, that's the kind of contract to me that, like, waivers was made for. You have a guy like Nick Shore who analytically is actually a pretty decent player. He just doesn't put up any points because he's, like, allergic to shooting. <laughs> like, I forget what um, uh, Michael Blake McCurdy's model has his shooting effect at. It's something, like, minus something ridiculous. So, doesn't put up a lot of points. But he does what I feel like every stereotype of a fourth line does in that they don't really they keep the puck out of their zone <laughs> and they play you know they, they don't give the game away while you rest your stars so he's actually a gritty player yeah sure we'll go with that now all now all we need is a parallel for the defense and then we've got something yeah, I don't know. I can't help you on that one. So, uh, good win from the Jets, continuing this point streak as it as it may as it stands. Right, that's three games in a row at least. I don't know if about the fourth. I have to look that up. Um, you know what? I also need. To look? I should have found that um, one of Micah's Viz things where it's got the flow graph to show. Oh yeah. And also, I would like to have seen here's that fight, and here's how the the game changed. But, also, yeah. um, he helped uh, NHL.com do something similar. Oh, really? Yeah, it's, it's, I know it's at least on the app. If you go on the app, you can see like the uh, momentum thing. Fascinating. Yeah, it's really cool stuff. Shout out to Micah. Um, I don't have anything else on this game. You know, like we said, you know, two points. Was, We're never going to complain about two points. It was fun to watch, just not a whole lot of talking points to come out of this game. I mean, I feel like we covered a lot of the general talking points about the Jets lately, so. Yeah. Uh, we can briefly, and I'll, I'll say briefly, because I don't... Rumor has it that if you talk about the Detroit Red Wings for more than, like, five minutes, you break out in hives. Fair enough. Oh, I'm looking at these ratings yeah, from they are, Daily Faceoff, and it is... Uh, hella bad. <laughs> that's a lot of red. And, I mean, it might just be their jerseys on Daily Faceoff are also red because they're the Red Wings, but, like... They've also lost, I think, 11 in a row at this point. <sighs> they are very bad. Oh, the deep... Oh. Yeah. Mike Green. This is basically, like, Steve Eiserman, like, putting the difficulty scale all the way up on Chell. Oh, How is Anthony Mantha green? Is he green 5-on-5? Five five? Yeah. Mantha's a decent player. 
I don't see him. Was he a defensive? No, he's a forward. That's what I thought, but I don't see him up what there. What are you doing? Anyway. He's not there. Anyway, like we said, uh, the, the Red Wings, uh, not great. Uh, they've lost, I think, nine in a row <coughs> regulation. They're sitting at <coughs> a negative 58 goal differential. Yes, negative 58. They've given up 124 goals this season. Jonathan Bernier is as bad as some of the Sharks goalies. Great, thanks. Really. You're welcome. Yeah, but they do have Eric Comrie, former Winnipeg Jets farm system product, Eric Comrie. Because he got traded there after being claimed by the, the Coyotes. Mike Green. He's still in the league? Yeah. Yeah, he's still there. Remember when, remember when Valtteri Philpio was good with the Islanders somehow? You mean when he shot like 20%? Like, or what, <laughs> yeah. I think, I think, yeah, think there's like something or through like the first two months of the, of the season last year he was shooting like 50% or something crazy. <laughs> It was like, okay, this is not allowed. I'm watching that as a Flyers fan going, wait, he couldn't do that in Philly. Where did that come from? You, you're not allowed to do that. Barry Trotz is a wizard. There's there's one good hockey coach, and it's Barry Trotz. Everybody else is a bum. Or Tell me I'm wrong. And or a horrible person, apparently. Or a horrible person. I feel like most hockey coaches have that sort of, not a horrible person, but like, brought up in the wrong culture, like hockey culture type thing. Can we, uh, can we just name everybody on the Detroit Red Wings a grit per six champion? Uh, <laughs> I'm not, pay- I'm not picking somebody out of this mess. That's just not happening. Uh, I do want to point out, Adam Ern, Adam Ernie? Ernie. He's not bad with the Lightning. No. But it's hard to. It is hard to put a, it is hard to put a player on the lightning and then for them to continue to be bad. Honestly, like, you know me, I pay attention to like, I, I pay a whole lot of attention to the NHL, right? Like, if you right. ask me a name of a player, I will be able to tell you mm-hmm. where they played, how good they are. Yeah. I look at Detroit's defense, like, who are these people? <laughs> Mike Green. I want to give it to Mike Green just because it's Mike Green. Dennis Trelowski is not a real person. <laughs> but Alex Viega is. Listen, when your defensive pairings on uh, Dylan daily faceoff is a rock star, not a hockey player. When your defensive like, pairings on daily faceoff are number thirty-one, number twenty-nine, number twenty-six, that's not good. <laughs> I, I, my nominee for Grit Per 60 champion is Mike Green. I don't really... But he was known for his skill back in the day, though. Back in the day? Now he's on a roster because he was good at one point in the past. I'm just gonna throw my... I'm just gonna throw Darren Helm out there because he's 32 years old. And he's 5'11", but he's also being paid $4 million to not be good at hockey. So Tyler Bertuzzi because he's related to Todd Bertuzzi. That's good. That's gonna be a yikes for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so Winnipeg plays a home and home with Detroit. Honestly, a Western Conference, Eastern Conference home and home to me is still weird. Geographically, this makes significantly more sense than Dallas. <laughs> Detroit being in the Eastern Conference doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, 
I mean, I get why they have to do it, but like, it will not. It will never sit right with me. Well, this is also that they just suck right now, so you just kind of forget about them entirely. I just want Detroit and Colorado in the same division. Yeah. For history reasons. Yeah, and you could just move Nashville to to the east. That makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Make, All right. Make the Atlantic Division that much better? Absolutely. Yes. Anyway, uh, predictions for we'll, we'll go with both games because again, Detroit sucks and they play them twice. Uh, we'll go three nothing at home, two one on the road. Wow. Okay. Jets both times. Okay, I I, I dig it. That's bold. I like it. The, um, I mean, the only way D- Detroit's going to score is if Dylan Orkin pulls out some voodoo, or if Valtteri Filippa decides he can shoot again. Also, I just want to point out that this is, uh, well, almost the beginning of a non-stop, like, every other day there's a Winnipeg Jets game stretch from now until basically, like, the Christmas break or the holiday freeze. Yep. Heh, <laughs> freeze. But, um, yeah. I, I will take... I'll, I'll take the Jets 4-1 in the in a home game on Tuesday, and, uh, you know, whatever, fine. Detroit breaks the streak with a 3-2 shootout win. Oh, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. Like, they can't lose forever, right? <laughs> You're really... My, my general opinion is just if you play a team, like, back-to-back, like, I just feel like odds are you're going to lose one of them. You're going to gamble on... Jonathan Bernier winning a shootout over Connor Hellebuck, or Eric Comrie winning a shootout. See, so, yeah, over I'm Connor betting on I'm, I'm betting on them playing Brossois for one of those, and <laughs> I don't think Brossois is as bad as you think he is. Yeah, anyway, all right. Uh, you have any closing thoughts? Getzlaff is a bum. Yeah, I'm not gonna argue with you on that one. You can say that about anyone on the docks, and I'll just be like, yeah. Other than uh, Andre Kasha, yeah. Other Andre than Andre Kasha and Ricard Raquel, everyone else. Yeah, there we go. Everyone else sucks. Free those two. Put those two on legitimately good teams. Gibby and Lindholm, you can also throw. Yes. Um. All right. I. D- so oh, sorry. Um. Okay. I was just. This has nothing to do with the Jets, unless you, unless somehow the Jets find themselves in a position where they're able to trade for somebody. Who do you, if you were to put um, Andre Kasha on a team, who like who could legitimately trade for Andre Kasha? Not anyone in the Pacific Division, I guess. Like somebody in the Central could. Colorado could. Carolina could try again. Carolina could try again. Oh, if Carolina trades for Andre Kasha and then continues to barely make the playoffs somehow, like they. Like, they have a roster where they should be contending for the division. Listen, I just appreciate Carolina's efforts to out-nerd everybody else, so. <laughs> and then still not quite... It's, it's there, but it's not. It's it's like them, Toronto, it, and I think uh, Colorado, maybe, who's trying to, like, all out-nerd each other. T- Toronto, yeah. But the thing is, Toronto tried to out-nerd everybody and then hired Babcock. Well, Babcock was there before, before Dubas was in charge. That's fair. All right. So, that's going to be it for another episode of the Gripper 60 Podcast. TC, where can they find you? I'm on Twitter at TC underscore 904, and I'm at Instagram at the same place, but that's more guitar-related than it is hockey-related, but that's fine. Cool. Nice flex. Yeah. Um, Thank you. You can find me on Twitter at BeFarrell727. You can find the pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Gripper60Pod. 
yeah, so that should do it. Thanks, everyone, for listening to another episode, and have a good one. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.